Hello, Lot here. Just wanting you all to know that this episode has been previously recorded and posted. So I hope you enjoy it or re-enjoy it. Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Man, there was a bear bear, all black and brown and covered in hair. Hi, I'm Clotho, and you can find me at Clotho Spindle on Twitter. Tonight, I'm joined with Lot. Hi, I'm Lot, Lady of Tarth, hyphen post on Tumblr. Actually, don't look for me there, because I don't hardly ever use it. Let's go with the Twitter. <laughs> I can't remember my Twitter. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Lady of Tarth. <laughs> and Chicky? Um, hey, I am Chicky. I am at the Chikrin on Twitter. Okay, we're going to be discussing Jamie's seventh chapter in A Storm of Swords. As usual, trigger warnings for rape and violence, although this isn't rape in this episode, um, as well as spoilers. Um, I wanted to give that little warning ahead of time in case people got into that debate again. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> which is likely to happen. But uh, Jamie and Bran are on their way back to King's Landing when Jamie overhears talk of Joffrey's death. The people have already concocted wild rumors of Tyrion drinking Joffrey's blood and Sansa vanishing in a puff of brimstone. At Jamie's <laughs> insistence, they ride hard for King's Landing the next day. Uh, Jamie's pondering his lack of emotion towards Joffrey's death, which basically comes down to Cersei squashing any attempts Jamie made to bond with Joffrey and sort of combined with his jealousy, you know, for the infant and her attentions. And um, so basically, he's like, I was happy to let Robert have. Joffrey, you know, he's his kid. I mean, jealousy of her boobs, you might as well just say I know, it. yeah, I know, that's like, it's so, and that's the funny thing, because of all the other things he's sort of more, in his time, progressive for, that's like pretty, you know, that's not like, oh, God. It's <laughs> really not Jamie's finest hour <laughs> reading that the internal dialogue he's having. Like, yeah. it's just like, so cringy. It is, and this whole chapter is just like, because for me, when I first read it, like, one of the most appalling things I think probably even now that he ever did was that I just could, I had a hard time getting over that they had sex in front of their dead child's body. That was hard right? for me. That was, I mean, and this I stuff mean, on top of it, it's like, oh. would be like, this is gross. <laughs> or, near, or near it, you know, even on an altar near it or wherever, you know. The JC shippers, though, like, are they like, oh, this is so romantic. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the heck? Oh God! And he's sort of, you know, he's he's thinking, he's he's acknowledging this because um, a sort of little quote here, where in his head he's perhaps he was the monster they claimed. If the father above came down to offer him back his son or his hand, Jamie knew which one he would choose. He had a second son after all, and seed enough for many more. If Cersei wants another child, I'll give her one, and this time I'll hold him. And the others take those who do not like it. Robert was rotting in his grave, and Jamie was sick of lies. And the interesting thing is, immediately after he thinks this, the next thing that happens is he like abruptly gallops back to find Brienne. <laughs> so it's interesting that oh, he's yes. like, "Oh, I'm gonna have more kids." Let's, yeah. I don't know. It's just odd that that would make him, you know, kick off. Oh, okay, let me check on Brienne. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh gosh, you gotta love uh, just to go back a bit though. Like you, uh, you mentioned, like how the ever the small folk are making up all these stories about Sansa <laughs> and Tyrion. Like, they really are the entertainment of the small folk, right? 
It is really, I know, because there was a little bit more even than that. Like, it was like, he slit his throat and la da da da. And, like, the wolf was like a ghost of a wolf running around the halls or something. Like, oh, gosh. <laughs> I mean, they're soap operas. But, and that's the thing. I mean, the, you know, that's the news. The further time it's going to mm-hmm. spread and all these, you know, kind of make it fun. <laughs> and nothing's changed. Everybody still goes gaga over, like, royal weddings and shit. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh God, their own little yeah. I guess they. I don't know if they have people illustrating things like their own paparazzi. Mm-hmm. But, uh. I, think the, <laughs> I think one of the most telling things, though, I know we kind of gone over this before, is like the fact that he can't even recall Joffrey's face. Like he was so disconnected <sighs> yeah, from this yeah. kid. That's really. There's like, like sad, you know, and no and, emotion. And that you know the the fact that he does I. I give him a little bit of credit because he brings up this time I'll hold the child. So it shows that, you know, I think it just goes back to, again, how he compartmentalizes everything that he was okay with. And maybe that's, it could have been the youth, it could have been the situation, but like that he was so easy to let it go, you know, like, oh, okay. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, you kind of have to give him that he's so bothered that he isn't bothered, yeah. you know? Yeah, I mean, it, it clearly is a good sign that he's bothered that he's not bothered. But also, yeah. I mean, like, I feel like you can't divorce the fact that, Part of it is because it was Joffrey. And yeah. this is what yeah, I'm always saying. True. Jamie was around enough to know what an asshole Joffrey is. I mean, like, he'll say things, even in this chapter, about, you know, what an asshole Joffrey clearly was. <laughs> um, and he says things later in this book, too. He he knew Joffrey was just a little shit. Like, he's he, he doesn't sit around and go, like, oh, I had no idea that there was any animosity between Tyrion and Joffrey. I mean, like, he's just, <laughs> his only thought is, like, oh, I wonder if... I don't think Tyrion actually would have done it. It's not like, oh, there's there's no grounds for yeah. this. So, like, he knows what a dick And that's an accurate was. assessment because if you think about it, I can't imagine him saying the having these same thoughts about Tommen or Marcella. He might, you know, no. be sad that no. he didn't know them yeah. better, but he wouldn't think these things about them, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. So that's a good point. That um, being said, Jamie is full-on deadbeat dad. Mm-hmm. There's just no two ways about yeah. it. <laughs> Well, he was trying, but the mom was so difficult, man. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that no. whole, yeah. That's, oh, God. <laughs> I'm always like, like I don't know, you guys, don't you think it's weird that Cersei's like, no, you can't show any attention to them because it's weird? Because it's like, he's in the Kingsguard, he lives with these kids, and they're his nephews and niece. Why would it be weird if he, like, spent time with them? That always right? I don't think it would too. indicate that they were his. And the fact that she's, like, worried, like, you already look like him. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, you're <laughs> still related. Like, nobody yeah. would be like... I mean, I guess it just goes back to her paranoia and the fact that if you know something's true, you're going to be more worried about it than you need to be. You know, it's that... Maybe, but is it the paranoia know. or is it that she doesn't want them to have a relationship with uh... him? I... I'm not sure. I, I'm oh, I'm not like, going to go like into like you know deep like um yeah. I'm I'm not going to go into like it's a deep like you know conspiracy that she had or is it just you know her thing of like you know I want them to be mine. I don't know. But it could be even a subconscious because you know if her whole deal is that he has to be he can't have anyone in his life that he's devoted to except me because then she becomes the number one and he won't ever go against her. So I mean it could be something deep seated like that even if she acknowledges it or not. You know that she right. That's what I feel like. It's like if you look at their family history, they're close to all their aunts and uncles, and no one thinks it's weird. Tyrion's clearly close to Tom and Marcella, and even Joffrey in a way. No one thinks it's weird. So why would it be weird for Jamie to be close to them? It wouldn't. He can't have kids of his own. He's in the Kingsguard. And would totally fall in line with the sort of abusive manip. You know, because that's what it is: abusive manipulation and you know his affections. Jeez, I don't know. 
<laughs> I think the category is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The cat was like, I have opinions. <laughs> she does. <laughs> Okay, uh, Jamie notes, what is he, uh, he's galloped back already, so he notes how Brienne looks more comfortable dressed as a man, but she's riding by herself while behind the others. You know, he's he's mulling over, and again, you know, he's sort of doing this internal comparison about, you know, sort of everyone else and him and how he's reacting. He mulls over her obvious grief for Rob Stark and Lady Catelyn, um, which he could clearly see is deeper than his for Joffrey. And he thinks to himself that, you know, we get this line where she looks so miserable that Jamie almost found himself wanting to comfort her. Um, which I think is a pretty significant admission. <laughs> you know, um, he, he, the next, the very next thing I also think is interesting too. He offers to send her back to Tarth or possibly find a place in court. And Brienne kind of dully says, you know, a lady companion for the queen. And it's almost sort of like humorous in his head. He sort of quickly nixes the idea. You know, he's imagining her in dresses and Cersei's reaction. Um, He suggests the city watch instead. And Brienne responds that she will not serve with oath breakers and murderers, which Jamie's, you know, he immediately bites back (laughs) his retort. Yeah, and he leaves as you will, Brienne. And the thing I thought that was interesting about that is like, you know, we're already getting the impression here that he knows King's Landing is dangerous and he knows it's dangerous for her and he's got to know, okay, at this point it's unrealistic based on just their their relationship with each other and how new it is and all these things, but I think it's interesting that he seems like he wants to find a place for her. Like, would he offer, like, I can't imagine if any other yeah. companion, he wouldn't offer them a place. Like, why would he do this to somebody well, if it wasn't? Well, that's the thing. <laughs> she knows how much he hates his fucking family. Yeah. And yet he still is like, but if you did want to stay, he wants her figure to stay. something out. Like, he wa- even if it's <laughs> illogical, he wants her to stay. There's a part of him that wants her around still. Uh, and I also love, too, that thing you talked about, Clotho, you know, the thing of him, you know, almost wanting to comfort her because, you know, she will think in Feast, you know, about about would he comfort her. And so it's like if she cried thoughts. Oh, is that what men want? <laughs> A woman to cry on their shoulder. Um, and then in Feast, you see that maybe Brienne was picking up on it. And oh, that I think that's one of them. Hmm. Oh, gosh. And they enter the gate of the gods. Um, we find out they're making people pay a tax for the right to sell inside the city. So there's this long lie. It takes them forever to get in. And then they rise. Smart. <laughs> I know. I know. Because that was, was it? Um, was that Tyrion. Tywin? It was a Tyrion or Tywin. Yeah, Tyrion, Tyrion, I believe, set it up. <laughs> oh, gosh. So uh, they're, they're riding through the streets unrecognized. <laughs> And Marin Trant is the first one that acknowledges Jamie, and the rest sort of snap to attention. And Jamie learns that Sir Loras is now in the King's Guard, and Loras is uh, not happy at all to see Brienne, draws his sword. Um, Jamie jumps in the middle, and Loras shouts, Are you a craven as well as a killer, Brienne? Is that why you ran with his blood on your hands? Draw your sword, woman. And then this is funny because Jamie's like, best hope she doesn't. Jamie yeah. walked his path again. Where it's like to be your corpse, we carry out the wench as strong as Gregor Clegane, though not as pretty. <laughs> and they're like, you know, it's just funny. The imagery here is like Laura shoves Jamie, and then Jamie yanks him around and commands him to put away his sword. You know, he remind, you know, kind of puts him in his place. I'm Lord Commander still, and um, Loras is insisting that Brienne be charged with murder. Uh, yeah, I think Jamie kind of comes up with this compromise in his mind, and he tells Sir Balin to escort her to a tower cell to be held under guard for the time being, to you know give him some time to cool down. Um, Brienne looks at him with hurt in her eyes, 
and Jamie thinks, you know, got another sort of iconic thing. You ought to be blowing me kisses when she wanted to tell her. Why this must hurt him, right? <laughs> yes! Her misunderstanding yes. of yes. his intentions. It's like you said, I think it was the previous, it was an episode of The Trust. Like, he's so hurt. There's just no, you know... Well, and it's like, you need to hold on to this moment where she doesn't trust him because he's going to still be holding on to this when they meet up again, you know, in the White Sword Tower, what, three chapters from now. Um, He's not going to forget how she responds (laughs) at this moment. But yeah, I love, and I love, I love the way he describes it when she, when they're like hauling her away, he's like, her big blue eyes are full of hurt. And it's like, oh my God, Jamie. (laughs) And you know it got to him so so bad, you know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh gosh oh but another thing i love about this whole section is they're riding through the city is you know like no one recognizes jamie mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. it's not until he's actually you know seen by people at the red keep that anybody even recognizes him because he looks so different and you know he's just kind of noting how oh it's nice to be obeyed again but at the same time like with loris like he he's having to to fake that he you know, hasn't, hasn't lost his sword hand in a way. I mean, like everybody can see it's gone, but he's, he's kind of, you know, using this bravado as though he's still the killer that he always was to kind of keep people in line. And you just kind of see that throughout the rest of the book that, you know, it's very much a kind of that play on, you know, power lies where men think it lies. And Jamie knows that very well. So he's like, you know, just bluff that you still have the power and maybe it'll work out. Like when he grabs Loris, I mean, he, grabs him and like flips him around and it's like he has nothing to back this up with if loris actually tried to fight him but he does it anyway done (laughs) you see a lot of that in the next chapter too like this is uh, where jamie's got to kind of retool and uh like you said the men believe where power lies the belief yeah um the thing i wanted to say too is there's this part in this chapter where they they talk about oberon and mace being um sitting together and jamie is kind of like he's like what kind of world have i returned to (laughs) where mace and oberon are together now my understanding then later on was that they were with tywin as well like tywin's trying to negotiate with them but when i first read i thought oh it sounds like maybe they're meeting together i was like the plot thickens <laughs> <laughs> that would be quite a plot poisoners oh, yeah. because it is in the same um paragraph or section where in that chapter they talk about enemies and when um they can smell if they smell weakness that's when the enemies come in so i was like hmm <laughs> Gosh. Well, and it's really clear the way the the point where george brings oberon into storm um, you know, he clearly knows he's going to use poison to kill Joffrey. So he he wants he wants the reader to wonder if it might have been Oberyn, you know, because yeah. Oberyn's well known for using poison too. So he might have even meant that inference too. A lot. You might you might be picking up on something George was using for misdirection there. Yeah. Well, I don't know it's just kind of a cool idea thinking that maybe you know Oberyn and Mace were in cahoots and they I had mean, this whole it, plot to you know as much as the Martell and Tyrell um feud is played up, I mean it it's pretty well known that Oberyn and um Willis Tyrell are actually kind of friends. Oh, okay. Okay. I mean Oberyn did cause that. Willis Tyrell whatever the injury is yeah. that makes him walk with a limp, but <laughs> they are kind of friends. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> okay. Can I just say before we go on to where I know we're going here? 
How is it that I always seem to miss the bathtub scene? <laughs> oh, <laughs> were you not? The fucking sept episode. <laughs> oh, were you not on the? Oh my god, because I think I was Every on the previous time. bathtubs. Like I'm discussion. just bad at scheduling. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Did you do the book and the show? Uh, I missed them. Oh, the sept, yeah. Like, and I've always missed oh, the bathtub coverage. Oh my gosh, buddy! Every That's time. <laughs> if we had known, we could have penciled you in. <laughs> and I have all kinds of new thoughts on that scene. No, I don't. But <laughs> <laughs> all right, now <laughs> get this over with. Okay. So Sir Osmond Kettleback tries to keep Jamie from entering the Sept, you know, saying a little humorous interaction here. Um, you know, Jamie informs him he's the Queen's brother and once he realizes, because he's sort of even questioning at that point, yeah, right, you're, you know, he's thinking he's, oh, you grew in, you know, grew in size. No, the other one, doe. Um, but uh, <laughs> once he actually realizes that he is Jamie, he apologizes and uh, Jamie kind of, I sort of think this kind of, you know, I was, before I was thinking, well, why didn't he use this as his leverage to get somebody to guard the door? Because then he's like, well, he threatens to have his head if he and Cersei are disturbed. You know, he's already gotten on his nerves. Um, so he enters and Cersei stands and she tells him he should have come sooner. And, you know, Jamie thinks she has never come to me. She's always waited, letting me come to her. She gives, but I, but I must ask. See, uh, it is so important yeah. that this yeah. is the first thought he has yeah. when he sees her. Yeah. Because it kind of tells you everything that everyone gets wrong yeah. about what's going on between Jamie and Cersei. Which, which is, before anything else happens, before he finds out about any infidelity or anything, he already knows there are deep problems in their relationship. Yeah, yeah. He's already been figuring this stuff out. And I, you know, and I don't know how anyone could see this and read this not as a crumbling of a relationship. You know, it's so because if anybody's been through that, you know, you get these little, you know, inkling of ideas that something's not right. And, you know, it could go on for years and, you know, hopefully yeah. not that long for most people is this. But well, it's imagine, too, like you come back from war and the first thing out of your oh, lover's oh, lips gosh. are, why didn't you come back sooner? <laughs> Oh, right. Oh, horrible. How horrid. I mean, how any that's the thing. How anybody could think that's romantic. Like, ugh. Like, it's so sad. Like, the whole thing's pitiful. Oh, gosh. You know, and even, you know, her, her minimal, you know, she's shocked by a stump, but there's no care. There's no, um, you know, she immediately starts in about, like, you know, telling me Tyrion killed Joffrey for a whore and she wants revenge. And, well, yeah, you, know, she, a, you know, he has to, like, shove his stump in her face to remind her like that he's not you know this well and look at the way that he does it <laughs> look at the way he does it because he's like she has to see this he yeah. knows he it's, already knows yeah she's not gonna be okay with it yeah yeah and it turns out he's right yeah, yeah. And, and like the only time that she actually shows him any affection is when she's manipulating him because she wants yeah. something out of yes, him yes because because that's the thing this is a, it's it's initiated and the initiating of the kiss is her doing it and it's immediately after she thinks oh you know she's sort of thinking you know he thinks that she thinks she can get him to her side to agree with her kind of thing you know he knows that and like you know he takes things further they continue to kiss but for anybody saying i mean this was she starts this you know she's going there and then you know candles are strewn about and you know we have the confirmation we have her saying things like quickly and yes multiple times um 
during sex. And you know. I mean, it, it's definitely written in a way where you can see why people think the consent on her part is dubious. However, George definitely put in a lot of yeah. things that indicate that she is definitely consenting. And then, of course, after the infamous rape scene in yeah, We Warned right. for This, right? Like, the on the show. She's like, yes, yes, do it, do it now. Yeah. Yes. Which, but I've heard people argue, well, she just wants to get it over with so that it, you know, blah, blah, blah. No. George actually came out and explicitly said, no, she's just, she, she doesn't like that they're trying to do it in this venue, but she definitely is consenting to the sex. Yeah. Um, which, mean, you know. <sighs> death of the author or whatever but i mean like if he says she consents obviously she does consent it, it's not written as well as it could be i i will definitely say that and you know this is one of those things where it's like even you know what is well this is 19 years ago 20 years ago you know like people just didn't have the same i guess excellent concept of consent that we're starting to form more now yeah. in popular yeah. culture and you saw stuff like this much more often, which is not an excuse, but it uh, clearly was not meant to be anything but a consenting sex scene. And George uh, just I mean, didn't handle it, it as well. Me. I like, don't know. I mean, I was pretty sensitive to a lot of the kids stuff and the, like a lot of that stuff offended me way more than this did. You know, the ages of the kids and things and Danny. I mean, I picked up on a lot of that stuff and that's like rape and all the stuff. But to me, I don't know why this just never Maybe because they're so screwy. They're so screwy. You know it's not. You know you know that it's not supposed to be. Would he write it like this now? I hope not. I hope he'd do a little better with. Yeah, it's one of those things. In hindsight, I could I could definitely see those points. I think when I first read it, I was just like, okay, this couple is screwy. They're really messed up. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You read this scene in a lot of fiction. I mean, this is how that's true. That's true. And they're they're meant to be consensual. You know. I mean. Yeah, it's know. kind of Human like people, it probably ingrained yeah. in us too because we see a lot of that. So it's like, yeah, yeah we grew up yeah. in it, right? Yeah. So it's unfortunately no, easy. No to... better, do better. Let's just hope George doesn't do this again. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I guess the only other thing we learned that she was on her period. Uh, and then Guile has this is funny too because this and this ties into um, our very own Guile. She wrote in <laughs> on the subreddit. It says, "Please, in very specific detail, talk about how you would have adapted sep sex. Personally, I would have had it start. You see Jamie reaching down and up Cersei's gown, and he comes back up with blood on his hand. Cersei gives him an apologetic look, which would admittedly probably be the first time ever." But Jamie shrugs it off and smears the blood on his face or something and gets on with it. How much more memorable and kind of shocking would this be than your standard, let's rape the strong woman BS? Ugh, I hate them so much. Girl, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Wipes it on his face? Who does that? See, I would actually be all about he, this. Like, paint like, a mustache? I would be all about this. Do you... <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember? I made some, some Tumblr thing one time about that from a... <laughs> about Wait, the, what? About the I, wings. I totally missed that. I don't what? know if you remember that. It was... Okay, so... I don't know if it should go... Into, okay. It might be too TMI stuff, but... Finish Do you remember that... Sentence. Okay, the movie... Do you remember the movie that Nikolai did? That he was in where he was like the executioner? Where there's a scene where they kill him and there's blood coming out of his mouth... And I kind of made a tasteless joke about that being him getting his wings. <laughs> and I put it on Tumblr years ago. <laughs> but oh Jamie, God, Jamie, not Nikolai. But anyway. <laughs> Using his face. Sorry, people. But that's why I was okay with this. I was like, okay. I, could... <laughs> I, think, uh, I think a reblog is due about now. Yeah, I gotta find 
shit, now I have to find have to it. Dig that one up. So, yeah, somebody, somebody go, my Tumblr's still there, so I can go to my archives <laughs> and see if I have it. Uh, <laughs> well, well, I mean, this is meant to be disturbing, so I guess in that, in that vein. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I kind of wish see. they would have went for that. That was like, I, in, okay, in that sense, I like to see because it is disturbing, and it's not like in the same ways that they made it disturbing. To me, it was like more disturbing because they were just so, I don't know. I felt like they were so, like, not... It just... No, but yeah, you're well, not supposed <laughs> to have sex in a room with a dead body. Yeah, That's like, number it just... One. It, to me, it's like the epitome like, of the relationship. Oh, the relationship is so much that they don't understand how what a disaster it is that they do shit like this. Like, <laughs> Well, yeah, that's it. And that's the other thing people, I think, maybe don't understand with this dubious consent. We have seen in the other sex scene that we unfortunately have to see with Jamie and Cersei, this is part of their dynamic. They, This is kind of how they do this. Yeah. They like this, you know, oh, no, we shouldn't. And then we do, you know, like <laughs> grossness. Um, well, it does kind of. This is very much something that's them. I mean, if they have, that's a thing like, you know, obviously we're talking about more modern concepts, but like an S&M thing where you your safe word, where you know you're into it. I don't yeah. Know kind of thing. Yeah. Well, it's uh, that's very clearly part of it. And. As we know, like they have this dynamic where, because um, Jamie mentions it, I think a couple of times where she hits him and then he turns it to sex, which yeah. is a thing that they do. Um, yeah. So I mean, you know, BDSM really isn't that far off. Oh yeah, well, because I I feel like that's almost how he learned to, um, just like that's for him love. You know what I mean? That's how he learned that love is. It's that rejection at that. You know that. You know what I mean? Kind of. It's not healthy, but that's how. <laughs> Maybe to him. No, but that, it's, it's not healthy. Yeah. And th- here's the thing. George never wants you to think that this yeah, is healthy. Yeah. He wants you to be mildly appalled by this whole mess. <laughs> okay, so is that why he wrote the period in, you think, to make it a bit disgusting? Or did George actually know. think to let that he, um, you can't get pregnant like, yeah. if a think, woman's on her period? I think he was trying to let us know thinking. that Jamie wasn't going to get her pregnant, right? Yes, yeah. he was. But I think it's about false not biology because you can <laughs> Yeah, can, but I mean, it, it is less common for people to ovulate while they're yeah. while they're menstruating. Um, so, I mean, but, you know, like, think about it. When I was a kid, like in high school, like people would be like, oh, you know, have sex while you're on your period. Then you won't get pregnant. I mean, this was very common thought. I'm talking about the 90s yeah. here, which is when yeah. I was writing shit. That was that was commonly considered pretty foolproof back in the day. I don't know. Did you guys ever hear that? Yeah. 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 So I mean I think what George is indicating is this means any baby that may show up in Cersei's plotline is not yeah. is not, not Jamie's. Jamie's. Yeah. Especially if it comes out with black kettle black hair. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I don't know I'm still like I can't really decide one way or the other if she's just gaining weight or if she is pregnant in the book. Yeah. Right? So you, I mean he's probably right. intentionally doing that to make it up in the air like people wonder to make people because it has to be like he wouldn't write you know, to, or to make people wonder, not even that she is or isn't pregnant, but just to give it like this air of mystery, like oh, she could be. She could be. Yeah, I, he and he might have been leaving it open ended because he hadn't decided. I don't know. Yeah. The fact that the show did it did make me think for a while. Oh, you know, uh, this is really a thing. I don't know. Oh, so maybe it was somebody else's, and she gets out of something by being pregnant or something, kind of thing. Like they don't kill well, her. It'd be a yeah. way to get out of being executed. Yeah, yeah, because. Uh, well, not just medieval, you know, yeah, most people, in yeah. most societies, pregnant women aren't executed until they've given birth. Yeah. So. Hmm. Oh, gosh. 
Okay. Um, <laughs> um, there, okay, so we had a couple subreddit comments from Shirley Ann 66 and here's the first one of her comments, which fix it, fits into right at the immediately af- uh, immediate aftermath. Um, but no sooner were they done than the queen said, let me up. And this is what Jamie's thinking. Um, and her, she sort of says, up until this point, she was Cersei. Now she's the queen. I find this interesting, and I wonder what you make of it. Um, I guess he kind of like what he more formalizes it you know maybe signifies it hurt or he's you know distancing himself I I think part of it is this is is part of my thing about why it's very clear that this is a consensual sex scene is Cersei holds all the power here Cersei's the queen regent you know she's technically Jaime's boss all she has to do is like speak up a little louder and bring in you know stupid kettle black whichever no, one it is scream, never yeah. remember which one is actually in the king's guard but you know like <laughs> i mean like she she has all the power here and she knows it and she has had sex with him because she wants him to do something and you know now it's you know the serious business of he he needs to get about doing it she's done she's done that part so now it's just up to him to do what she wants him to do yeah and um, yeah, if she wanted to she knows she this could too. Get, yeah yeah because could you imagine yeah. if she had screamed and they had come in, like, she could have gotten him killed. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. She has all yeah. the power here. And and you see that she has all the power because she'll literally order him out and he'll do it. Because yeah. he does have all the power. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Like, you know, there was this uh, bit in this chapter where she's like, she almost seems shocked by by the way he's acting or his demeanor. And she says to him, you've changed. Like, what is it that he did that? was so startling to her to saying no to her i don't know (laughs) yeah yeah because i mean she's like um, she's like kill Tyrion, right like maybe now you'll kill Tyrion, and he could tell that she's getting scared you know because i was that was like the exact next part i was going to get into that she like you know he can feel that she fears the change and that she you know she says that she notices that there's a change and um you know she doesn't you know he's sort of like um yeah, he says, I'm sick of being careful. The Targaryens were wed. And th- this part right here in particular, I always use this as proof that, like, people are like, well, you know, uh, people who get all woo-woo about Jamie and Cersei, he offered to run off with her. He's saying the Targaryens wed brother and sister, or even to stay there. He offered, like, why shouldn't we do the same? Marry me, Cersei. Stand up before the wel- realm and say it's me you want. We'll have our own wedding feast and make another son in place of Joffrey, which you know, obviously that doesn't go well with oh, any woman, and she reacts to that. Yeah. Um, but he says, all I want <laughs> is you. So it's, you know, that's the thing. She wants more than that. And he's, you know, she sees these that he's starting, you know, he's scaring her with this talk. He's, he's saying, <laughs> yeah, well, what's she scared of? She's scared because he's saying, let's let go of the power yep. and just, you know, go live happily. And what scares her is the idea of letting go of the throne. Because he's not wrong. I, I, you know, I know people think that, like, I don't know what they think, that the realm is going to rise up. If, like, if Jamie and, and Cersei retired with their bastard kids to Casterly Rock, I mean, like, nobody's going to come and try no, to, like, fight them out. Yeah. yeah. If they said, we're just going to get married and stay here, they wouldn't. They'd be fine. They'd be problem safe solved. there. Yeah, he's exactly right about solved. this. Yeah. And it, what, she, what she's hearing him say is, let's give up this stupid throne and that's where the line is for her she's like fuck no i want this goddamn throne she's always wanted it and she's never gonna let go and and she's like get out (laughs) yeah and then one of the most the saddest like shirley ann is is commenting on this part too which is the next thing it's like god this is so it's 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 beautiful but it's so 
horrendously sad. He's like, I crossed a thousand leagues to come to you and lost the best part of me along the way. Don't tell me to leave. I mean, he's like pretty much begging her. And then, you know, yeah, that's that's what she said. You know, Shirley is like, you know, it's great. A swoon worthy, romantic, holy shit. But he says them to Cersei, you know, that she's like, ew. But um, she says, what are the odds of her next thing is what are the odds of Jamie or Brienne saying a similar or saying a similar line with very different results? Um, and which version would fuck you up the most? <laughs> Jamie saying it to Brienne or Brienne saying it to Jamie? Um, well, we clearly know mm-hmm. that he's capable of these types of, you know, God, this is so eloquent. And just who? God, how? God, I just, I can't get over. Well, just say he like, can be a fucking poet when he wants to be. And that's oh, he's so poetic. All these things that she's connected him with, that she just treats him like trash. I mean. So who? What would be worse is if Brienne said that to Jamie and or vice versa. <laughs> similar line. What would be worse? Well, now we've all got that stupid show parting scene, right? Oh, right. God. But yeah, I mean, but in the books, here's the thing: Jamie and Brienne are two of the most loyal characters in the whole stupid yeah. series. And yeah, so if they decide to be loyal to each other, then that will That's just be it. it. It wouldn't matter which one of them said it to the other. It would utterly destroy me in the best way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, that's what we need. We need to find. I think that's the it's always so hard to read these things because I just want so bad for him to be like for both of them. It's the same thing for Brienne. Like they've had all these horrible things happen to them relationship wise. It's just life wise. I just want them to have their love realized, you know, just how amazing for however long it is for them to have that. About five oh, minutes. God. <laughs> so sad. Five minutes. <laughs> oh. Okay, so Jamie goes to his father in the Tower of the Hand. Um, Tywin barely reacts to his appearance. You know, it's just, ugh, this family. Power move. <sighs> and and ne- next up comes my favorite quote from this particular scene. My sister outdid herself, I'm told. 77 courses and a regicide. Never a wedding like it. <laughs> you know, he always got a sick joke. Like, this, all, after all he's been through with Cersei, and he's going to like this have this really stressful meeting with his dad. Oh, the Lannisters. You gotta love them. You do. (laughs) Which probably pisses off Tywin even more that he said that. You know, it doesn't react. But then Tywin shares news that Sir Gregor has taken Harrenhal. You know, we get this sort of nice tidbit about Vargo Hoat's ear is festered. They cut off his hands and feet, and they give him a slow death. And yet, yet again, Jamie's so... He's just so gleeful, like thinking, "Oh, like Brienne would, you know, uh, you know." You can just imagine him thinking, "Oh, if I just wait till I tell Brienne." Yeah, when Brienne hears this. <laughs> but this oh, is a God. sign of like how like stupidly close they actually are. That oh. he's like, "Oh, I can't yes. wait to tell her." <laughs> yes, yes, little things like this, like what the hell. <laughs> Oh, Jamie brushes off Tywin's inquiries about his ability to fight with his left hand. You know, he's still doing this thing. You know, he has to. It's important for this particular scene as well as we get towards the end of it. Um, after they argue over Tyrion's guilt or innocence, you know, and during that part, like, Jamie's pretty much just horrified. Like, he's your son. Um, Tywin exclaims that um, Jamie cannot serve on the King's Guard without a sword hand. Uh, you know, he's sort of starting his strategy right here in the conversation but Jamie immediately reminds him that he has a duty Tywin insists insists that his duty is to House Lannister um, 
<laughs> like the icing on the cake of all this is he proposes marrying Cer- Cersei to Oberyn and Jamie to Marjorie of all people and Jamie can't take it anymore and he exclaims I'm an I'm a knight of the King's Guard, Lord Commander of the King's Guard, and that's all I mean to be. Firelight gleamed golden in the stiff whiskers that flamed Lord Tywin's face. A vein pulsed in his neck, but he did not speak, and he did not speak, and did not speak. Strange, and that was in there, that's actually like George wrote that, you know, you get this really long, like, oh my god. The strange <laughs> silence went on until it was more than Jamie could endure. Father, he began. You are not my son, Lord Tywin turned his face away. You say you are Lord Commander of the King's Guard, and only that. Very well, sir. Go do your duty. Like, oh, uh, this, this is like, there's just a wealth of shit in this conversation that they have. There's so much fucking stuff. Um, okay, so here's one of my favorites. Is Yes, we have Jamie again bluffing his way about the fact that he doesn't have his sword hand. And he like literally tells Tywin, he's like, oh, my other hand's exactly the same. I'm fine. You know, like... What difference does it make? Tywin's just like, okay. (laughs) No big deal. Um, Which is, you know, this just blustery thing that he's doing, which you can just imagine is really going to catch up with him and wins. But, well, maybe we'll never have to read it. Um, And then, yes, the freaking stuff about Tyrion, which is just heartbreaking because Jaime is the only one who really loves Tyrion. And he's going, oh, my God, what is going on? He's not even sure that Tyrion didn't do it like yeah he doesn't seem to think Tyrion did it but he's not you know he's really not sure what happened but like he's worried and he's like oh yeah he's surely gonna you know sure he's gonna get a fair trial here sure wink wink sure yeah he will I mean like he knows that Tyrion's being set up to just take the total fall for this and you know he can't dwell on it too much because George wants his you know big surprise reveal Jamie even mentioned that, like, and we didn't go into that, but there was a part, again, in this chapter, he mentions the one, um, you know, the one thing I did. You know, he mentions that would Tyrion, I think that was earlier uh-huh. in this chapter, he mentions about that, that, you know, that would he really have done it? So, yeah, so at this point, Jamie still has a slight question about that, and then no, but, you know, goes kind of goes back and forth a little. But, you know... <sighs> Well, and it's so sad how Jamie's like, well, if nothing else, Tyrion wouldn't have done it because Joffrey was my son, you know? Yeah, and yeah, like, that he could like, come to that conclusion, yeah, yeah. Twist the knife, George. <sighs> man. Yeah, but then he also defends even Brienne to, to Tywin, too. I mean, yeah, like, yes! Brienne's- yeah, yeah, that's true, because, yeah, yeah, I didn't bring that up, but he did. Brienne is just kind of woven through mm. these chapters. I mean, like, very carefully and, and kind of, you know kind of a little bit below like your full awareness but it's like it a lot of what goes on in this chapter and the next chapter and then the next chapter is just jamie's basically you know realizing hey Tyrion's going to be set up for a fall and i've got to you know do something about it he doesn't have these thoughts out loud as he often doesn't when he's about to take some crazy action but you can see little hints you know kind of woven through with george and one of those hints is that Jamie's trying very hard to take care of everything to do with Brienne so that she's not going to have to deal with this whole Renly um, situation later on. Mm. And he's even doing it with Tywin, making sure Tywin knows, hey, yeah, no, I don't think she did it. She wasn't involved. This is what a horrible homecoming. Like, first he deal- deals with, like, essentially rejection <laughs> from his sister and then rejecting like, his father, you know. Oh, 
God. It's I mean, perfect, kind of like just the yeah. cherry on top of his yeah. shit Sunday, because like I think it's really the point in time when Jamie's realizing he's kind of been asleep through his life with these people, and Barely I think he's him. starting to be more proactive with you know, well, what can yeah. I do about this situation? He's taking the responsibility that he's always shirked. I mean, he's not taking all the yeah. responsibility because Tywin's like, yeah. I want you to be the my heir and take yeah. Casterly Rock, and he's like, No, I don't want to do that. But, like, he even talks about how, like, he didn't want to be Lord Commander. I don't think he necessarily wants to be Lord Commander of the Kingsguard. He kind yeah, of makes a couple of comments about, to that yeah. effect. But, you know, he's like, okay, well, you made me Lord Commander, so I'm going to fucking do it. And, yeah, a lot of a lot of what Jamie's you know, arc in this book is, is him finally taking some responsibility. But kind of the irony of this is here he's returned home to what he assumed would be, you know, throughout his life, I think, you know, like, oh, Robert's dead. He can get Cersei all to himself. You know, his family's in power, so there's nothing really to worry about. He should be coming home to being, like, basically king of the world, you know? Everything should be going Jamie's way, and yet it all has turned to just absolute and utter shit when he actually gets there and sees what how things are going. And um, it's it's really... This is where George is at his best, I feel like. I mean, I don't know if it's too early to say that any of the influence that Brienne and the comments that she would have made would have had any influence on him, you know, sort of already starting into that duty and the, you know, that sort of thing. Oh, for sure. I think think there was a big, um, there was just like another perspective that he hadn't really witnessed in anybody ever, which is in stark contrast to how his family operates. Mm -hmm. Any other thoughts about the chapter? I think if we no, it was a no. good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so okay. So, do we have any more mail? We uh, do. We have some beefy messages. Um, <laughs> I've got one from Reddit. It says, "Hello and thank you for the latest podcast. It was fantastic and thanks so much for reading my question. I'm really happy we all agree on the significance of Jamie's dream. I've been thinking about it all day, so this could be a bit long. Um, I am now more convinced than ever that Jamie and Brienne have a significant role to play in Endgame. Jamie's Werewood dream was sent to him for a reason, to save Brienne. It also foreshadows that they will fight together in the Battle of the Others. So I got thinking about what they did in the show, and if you think about it, they really skirted around the story of Jamie and Brienne. There was no Lady Stoneheart and no Werewood dream, and they only alluded to the significance of their swords. Another thing the show did was to avoid some of the more mystical elements of the books, and I started thinking that maybe there was a very good reason why they left out this part of the story. For one thing, George hadn't finished it. But what if George didn't want them to include it? What if this thing was so crucial to the ending of the books that he wanted to keep it for himself? I'm going to pause there. (laughs) Thoughts on that bit? (laughs) I don't think so. No, I don't think there's anything George was like, oh, no, please don't reveal this. That's never been the tenor of any of the discussions that I've heard from him or any of the show producers. Mm -hmm. Then can we surmise that maybe the Stoneheart thing isn't going to be that big of a deal if they decide to cut it out completely? I mean, it depends on what you think of as a big deal. They completely excised not only Stoneheart, but Sansa's storyline as well. Whatever her real storyline is and wins is gone. I mean, we all know she's not going to marry Ramsay Bolton, Snow, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, so 
it's it's not just Stoneheart. There's a there's a lot that they just cut. Um, and it depends on what you mean by important. I mean, it's obviously going to be very important for Jamie and Brienne. Um, was it important to the central story that you know David and Dan and I guess Cogman felt like they were telling? Clearly, it wasn't important no. to them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's kind of what it comes down to. As far as the swords, I, I, a lot of people have been talking about this since the show ended, and I tend to agree. Um, uh, you know, I don't think David and Dan liked a lot of the fantasy elements. I think the dragons were about as far as they really wanted to take it. If you look at the last three or four seasons, they really excised almost everything but Melisandre, Melisandre. who they really needed yeah. to resurrect John. Because even with Bran, like they kind of quit even talking about how things worked with the yeah. werewoods. You know, they weren't showing him really having visions or anything. They just remember that. What was it? The third episode of season eight during the battle where all Bran did was make some crows fly. I mean, like, <laughs> what happened to really warging? Much... Like, what happened to oh, warging? You know? Yeah. 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 Dropped None of it. And the face exchanging or whatever face changing. Yeah. yeah. So I think the flaming swords, even though they'd had flaming swords before in the show, I mean, whatever the flaming swords are supposed to be with regard to like Azor Ahai or any of that stuff, it's real magic. And I think it's something they just probably didn't want to deal with. And also, never forget, I mean, Brienne isn't even really a secondary character on the show. She's kind of tertiary. They would have had to give her a lot more significance to get her to that point where she would be like, you know, holding some magical flaming sword that was a twin to Jamie's. And also they wouldn't have been able to pull what they did in, in episode four and have him leave her if they were like some oh, yeah. magical destiny oh. twin sword situation. Yeah. Okay. And she continues on. I believe that Jamie and Brienne has the potential to be the greatest love story ever told, but it failed miserably in the show. There were elements there, but they were never going to get more they were never going to get there in the time constraints they had. It got cut short and they had to do something with it. So D and D did an atrocious job of turning it into that pathetic Jamie Cersei shit. Maybe if they had more time, they may have done it justice. No, sorry. (laughs) I'm just interjecting in the middle of the sentence. I don't think they would have because look how they ended it. They didn't have to end it like that. That was a decision. Yeah. The pacing was their decision. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been. I'm worried. Um, it would have been even worse. <laughs> well, and I still argue it's the fact that they switched the 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 fight for the Iron Throne and the fight against the others, which I will hold till my final day until yeah. I read something else from George that the others will be the final fight, and yeah. therefore Cersei will be long dead, and Jaime and Brienne will still be alive and fighting against the others. Therefore, there'd be no reason for him to leave her. Yep. Um, when they switched that, they made it so that. It had to be changed, I guess is the way to put it. And once they made that decision, there was nothing else to do with Jamie and Brienne but break them up, basically. Hmm. Anyway, she just finishes with, sorry, this isn't specifically about the next Jamie chapters. It's more of a flow on from the Weirwood dream. And I would love to hear your thoughts. Thank you for your message. Would you like the other now, Clotho? Awesome. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Hi. Uh, I wanted to start by saying that I absolutely love your podcast. Oh, we're off to a good start. <laughs> I'm currently working my way through the old episodes while waiting for the new ones to come out each week. Actually, your podcast led me to the subreddit where I've been lurking and enjoying the JB adoration. This is my first official post. I hope I don't end up rambling. Uh, much though I don't want to talk to talk about the scene in the sept. 
Ugh, I found Jamie's thoughts leading up to the main event to be heartbreaking. When Cersei realizes he's there, she doesn't do what a typical woman would do when the man she loves comes home after so long, throwing herself into his arms, kissing him, telling him how much she missed him, and thank God he's come back alive. She just stands there, and for what is, like, the first time Jamie realizes this. Um, so we, yeah, we went into that. <laughs> Um, an argument can be made that these aren't typical circumstances for a long-awaited reunion, so it's maybe understandable that Cersei isn't jumping for joy that Jamie has finally returned, but instead of at least saying she's glad he's home, Cersei chastises him for not being back sooner. Yep, we covered all that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was... Um, she also implies that he was partly to blame for Joffrey's death. She calls Joffrey my boy, and Jamie thinks our boy. And uh, she says that makes her heart ache, um, even though Joffrey meant nothing to him. Uh, one of the things I've heard Jamie criticize for is his lack of interest, concern for his children. How much of that do you think is due to genuine disinterest in the children? How much to Cersei not wanting him being close to the children for fear that people would suspect the truth? I feel like we covered that yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I don't, I don't like it that Cersei was weird about him being close to the kids, but at the same time, he could have cared about them without spending a bunch of time with them, and he clearly <laughs> doesn't care about them as much as he should, which is on him. Yeah, it's a little bit of both. <laughs> but to back up a little bit about what they were saying, one thing I kind of meant to say about what what you see in the sept scene too between Jamie and Cersei is, uh, and, and this was kind of touched on in this comment, the way that all Cersei talks about is how she feels yeah, and how he's failed her. Like, can you imagine like your basically oh, husband, so spouse walking in the door, missing a hand and your first <laughs> reaction wouldn't be, are you okay? Do you need it? You know, are you okay? What? I mean, like those are the questions that you tend to ask when someone you love is hurt that badly. And she never asks that. And like, yeah. in fact, when she's like, you know, you were gone and I was afraid they were going to send me your head. It's not about I was concerned about what you were going through. It's about what his absence put her through. And right. it's a very selfish um, classic love. Yeah. And she's probably been like that. I mean, you get every indication that's how the relationship has been their whole life. And it's just it, it's sad that he's, you know, that he puts up with it. Yeah. Yeah. So and then we have a little bit about the last part of the chapter with Jamie and Tywin, and uh, Jamie chooses not to leave the Kingsguard to assume the role of heir of Casterly Rock, uh, get married and have children. What fascinates me about this is that of Tywin's three children, Jamie's the only one who outright refuses to go along with Tywin's plans for his future. Tyrion marries Sansa, and although Cersei strongly objects to the idea of marriage again, Tyrion thinks she'll give in eventually. He's likely right if she can figure out how to get out, how to get what she wants out of it, but not Jamie. He steadfastly refuses to kowtow to his father, and Tywin disowns him in response. I would also say too, it's like Tywin knows Jamie's not going to give in, right? They have like that stare off, basically. So. Well, I mean, because it's for life. I mean, when he originally did it, when he was a teenager, Tywin had to know that that said something about Jamie. the fact that he was willing to, I mean, you could say, oh, he's young, but he made that decision and he did it. And you know, he's essentially, in Tywin's eyes, screwed him over. <laughs> well, I mean, there uh, to me, there are also two things going on here. One, obviously, yes, 
yes, Jamie, you know, defies Tywin. However, Jamie has much more privilege than either Cersei or Tyrion in yeah. that, you know, he was that, until yeah. very recently an able-bodied, you know, man capable of, you know, wielding great power of his own. And therefore, you know, him standing toe-to-toe with Tywin is not um, beyond Tywin's ken as much as, as much as Tywin doesn't want him to. Um, he, he's in a position to defy Tywin. Now, the other side of this is, unlike Tyrion and Cersei, Jaime doesn't fucking care about power. Mm. And that's what Tywin really holds that both Cersei and Tyrion want. They want the power that cooperating with Tywin can get them, which is right. why they do cooperate with him. Uh, Jamie doesn't hate. fucking care about it, so there's really nothing Tywin can use other than family loyalty and love to get him to do anything. Yeah, that's such exactly a good it. observation. Because yeah. like, what what could he even possibly yeah. offer Jamie to make him toe the line, as it were? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and then she follows up with, do you think that Jamie's refusal is because he wants to stay in King's Landing where Cersei is or because he doesn't want to break yet another oath by leaving the King's Guard when he swore to serve for life? Or is it a combination of both? Do you think if Tywin had lived that he might have worn Jamie down, especially the more Jamie became disillusioned with Cersei? Um, there is no way Tywin gives up this easily. If so, do you think Jamie would have chosen to marry Brienne? And what would Tywin's reaction have been to that? I think Tywin would have loved that, honestly. <laughs> and well, no, I think Tywin would have chosen his bride. A better um, match, yeah, probably. But no, I don't think match. there's any chance of Jamie giving in. And no, I don't think it's because he's so attached to the Kingsguard because he's very clearly willing to set that aside if Cersei yeah. would marry him. Yeah. Um, he He's willing to forsake it, you know, in that circumstance. So I don't think it's... I mean... Part of it is, yes, he's like, okay, this is my duty. I'm going to do my duty. But, you know, the thing about Jamie is he's always pragmatic. So there's always a way you can talk him out of anything that he's committed to, pretty much. (laughs) All right. We got one last uh, message from Clea, uh, Gmail. I would love your thoughts on something that has bothered me for years and for which I have never seen a satisfactory explanation. Why would Tywin have given Tyrion the male Lannister heir name? starting with Ty, but not Jamie. I believe George has confirmed that Tywin named Tyrion, but it seems out of character for Tywin not to have given his heir the proper name, only to bequeath it, bequeath it to the child he hates for killing Joanna, and that is without getting into the possibility that Tyrion isn't even a Lannister. I know this isn't specifically a Jamie question, but I've been thinking about it a lot in the reread and would love to hear ideas. Thank you for always amazing and often hilarious analysis of love for JB. You are always the highlight of my week. Aww. Uh, Clea. <laughs> also, P.S., I finally read In This Light as part of my personal catharsis and healing at the end of Season 8. It is amazing. Mm-hmm. I am content with Endgame now that I have read it. And even though I still fantasize about Dream of Spring, I at least have a satisfying ending to keep me company through the long night of reality. Thank you, thank you, thank you for writing such a wonderful Endgame. And major kudos on matching George's writing style so beautifully. Minus bloat. <laughs> oh, 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 thank you for that. Jeez. I always get so awkward. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so what do you think about this naming thing? Oh. Ty. Uh, well, he, uh, I get what you're saying, but even though, you know, Tywin and his dad had ties, there are a lot of Lannisters who 
did not as in fact yeah. a lot of the kings were called Lancel. Yeah. Um so I don't I don't know that it necessarily means that it's uh the heir name. It definitely is uh indicative of being a Lannister though. As far as Jamie's name, I don't know. I mean, it's been a long time since I looked into it, but somebody did a whole post several years ago about how weird Jamie's name is and how yeah. it must have been Joanna who did it. I can't remember all the reasons why. Yeah. But I don't think we ever hear about anyone else named Jamie ever in the series, do we? Oh, uh, nope. Oh, yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah I don't think we it, do. It I think Joanna might have. Yeah. I mean, I will say this, you know, um, Joanna's father's name was Jason. Oh, okay. And her okay. name also started with a okay. J, so it might have been that she was following in that vein. And we have, but, uh, um, yeah, what's his name? Was a, um, oh, God, what, Darian named his daughter, was her name, or the mother named Joy. Joy. So there's some J yeah. names in there, you know, but. Well, Jerrion um, is with a G, but yeah, yeah it has that yeah, sound too. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know if she made up a name, like if Jamie didn't exist as a name in Westeros until she made it up. And I'm not even sure that she named him. I don't know why I go along with that, but. Yeah, we got Jenna too. That's with it. Is it, get, everybody goes back and forth about that if it's Jenna or Genna. Has or, to be Jenna. Jenna. It's gotta be Jenna. Jenna. Well, and see, like Cersei, there are Jay, other yeah. CER names I know yeah. in the, in the, I should have, I, if I, I, I didn't know that this, email existed or I would have gone and looked there are other CER women's names in the Lannister line too I can't remember what they are but that's also a family thing but yeah okay. the Jamie is is kind of I don't know yeah I mean because I remember thinking that I, I love that I remember reading that post you're talking about chicken I don't remember a lot of specifics but I, I thought that was good and then but I, I remember and I have no way I to first... find it maybe someone else will know what it was and can send it into us it was really lengthy too I'm pretty sure but I mean and that's the thing I think I remember when I first I read it thinking, well, this is kind of interesting that why doesn't he have sort of a more... Because, you know, Tyrion is a sort of more... I don't You know, they talk about what people's names are sort of affect their position in life or how people view them. And Jamie just seems like a more fun, you know, kind of... Then Tyrion seems like a more like... You know, I picture a more overbearing person with that. Yeah, it's definitely got closer yeah. association to Tywin. So well, I, I will say too, people used to think that Jamie was because of um, in French. In French, uh, Jem is uh, I love. I love. Uh, <laughs> like a George hat tip. George thing. actually yeah. said that was well, not so, what it okay. was. Okay. So. What did he really? That's so disappointing. Yeah, I think he confirmed that that was not. Did he, he ever say like bad. specifically what it was? He never. He just said it was. A I, you know, I don't <laughs> think so. Damn it, we need to find that old post. I can't remember what the reasoning was that they thought it was Joanna, but I bought into it, which I don't always do. So I would love if he. I mean, that's a good. Uh, that's a good headcanon. I would love if he would go back, like if he ever finishes all of this and he feels like he can, to give us a little, de- you know, answer. Like, hey, you can answer all these little questions like this well why did you come up with this and he can tell us oh it was just this it was just i sat down and i thought you know <laughs> saw something yeah. like i just flipped through the magazine and pointed <laughs> there's Which a is name probably the answer to a lot more of these questions that we want to consider <laughs> oh, all right and that i think that's it for the mail for this episode okay let's see you can reach us at close the door and and at gmail.com, sorry, on Tumblr, close the door and come here at tumblr.com. You can also submit questions on the pre-show threads that we've been talking about um, via the Jamie and Brian subreddit on Reddit. Follow us on Twitter at Door Podcast. Please like, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Podbean, Google Play, Stitcher, all the places that you listen. And please support us on Patreon at Close the Door. 
thanks everyone, you know, for getting through this, <laughs> getting through the sex. <laughs> I'm closing the door. Get out. <laughs>